Well, we're going to talk about the authority of the believer. And, you know, God told me something years ago, not just on this subject. I want to, I want to introduce it by making a couple comments. He said, whenever you need to know my will about anything, go back to the beginning, which is Genesis, before man fell. That was my ultimate will for mankind. So I've done that all these many, many years, probably 35 years ago he said that to me. I listen to God, and when he talks to me, I pay attention. And I don't say, well, I'm going to teach this series, never taught that before. I think I'll just start in Hebrews. So I'm going to be in trouble. Even if I don't mention Genesis, I always go back to Genesis to see if there's an element of something in there that would fit for me to talk about. And today there's plenty. I want to say something else about this series. It's just the first shot out of the box. Something else about this series. You're not going to get it unless you pay attention. The devil will fight you other than money. I'd say this would be the second number one target he tries to destroy your ability. Listen to me carefully to think that you have any authority about anything. And unfortunately, most preachers help you destroy it even more. You know, I was raised this way. This is the way I've always thought. I get so tired of hearing the same excuse. I'm married to so-and-so. You don't understand me. Well, I don't, but God does, and he's the one who told me to teach it, and he says he's not partial to anybody. So anybody that wants to move with him in what I teach, it's the Bible, can do it. That's a simple answer for a long, you know, three-page document on excuses why you don't. So you're going to have to pay attention to me. You're going to have to pay attention to the scriptures. You're going to have to purposely go back and think about them, meditate them, read them again and again, or just go to sit in the car if you want. I mean, I'm not advocating that, but if you don't pay attention, you're not going to get anything anyway, especially in this arena. Because what we're doing, yeah, I threw the line down to the devil. You threaten me, I'm coming after you. And I push back. I don't know about you, but I push back. And, and when I can rub his nose in it, I push that hard just as hard as I can. And there's a lot of times he put my nose in stuff too, so that's, I never forgot that either. I just changed my revenge from humans to the real cause of things, the devil. <laughs> Hallelujah. But this is one of those areas where the devil do all he can to talk you out of believing what I'm teaching you is clearly revealed in scriptures. I don't have a better authority than you. I just may operate in it more efficiently because I operate in it. I didn't start at 10 either. I started at 1. That's the first level of authority. I had a 10, but I didn't know how to operate in that then, and I was learning. And I, you, Did you make any mistakes? Oh, my gosh. A lot more than I got time to tell you about. But, see, I just am unstoppable. I just keep on going. I repent. I do whatever I need to do to get racked back with God. And just move ahead. Even if for in the beginnings move a couple steps forward, he'd knock me back a couple. But then I gained more momentum. I put some pleats on my shoes. I put some sticky tabs on. I don't have one on today. I may wear one next week. You're defeated and I'm not on the bottom of my shoe and wore it around for a week. That made me feel superior. I'm telling you to the devil. He's not on any level with me or you. I know you don't believe that yet, but I'm trying to help you. If I talk to you strong, just say, praise God, my pastor's going to help me have authority like it should be. I'm not mad at you. I had to learn all this stuff too, trial and error, mistakes. 
wrong teaching maybe occasionally, but I've just settled up on this. That, And I've been saying this for 15 years if you've ever paid attention. I'm, not a, I'm a joint heir with Jesus. I'm not a sub nothing. And you're not either. I just say that because I need to hear myself say it. I'm smart. See, I'm the one that's got to deal with all the revelation. And if I don't say it, if I don't say it based on the word, I can't have it. See, get all that out of your thinking. The culture you live in, the home you grew up in, you may have had wonderful parents, but they don't know what we know. Most of them died young, died sick, and died early, and broke, and most of them. I know I'm telling you, I'm not mad at your parents either. They only knew what they were taught, and they probably slim pickings in most camps. You really want to know what I'm going to say today? <laughs> it's just my introduction. T.L. Osborne said this, know your rights in Christ, and then you'll have faith. It's not like I'm just going after, I'm going to have faith, I'm going to have faith, I'm going to have faith. I just try to know what's my rights in Christ and then, then activate it. Talk it. Not because I'm a big shot, I'm a joint heir with Jesus. And I didn't do that for me, he did that for me. Somebody said, well, you just kind of raise yourself up to be equal with him. I didn't do that either. He's raised us up to sit together with him in heavenly places. And that position is far above, not minimally, just barely over the edge of getting crushed. Far above all authority and power and dominion. Now, if you gossip and you lie and you don't live right at home, none of this is going to help you. The devil keep having heyday with you and you just keep thinking it's your parents' fault or it's my fault or it's your mate's fault or it's your kid's fault. I could go on if you want me to. When you know your rights in Christ, you will have faith. I just read about him today from Brother Hagen, T.L. Osborne, talking about him in Africa somewhere. And I mean, he had all kinds of marriage. They had eight people chained to trees. They acted like animals, some of them naked. Bark like a dog, scream, and weird stuff come out of them. He was just preaching off a platform. He never touched them. Didn't pray for him. All of a sudden, the guy was on, they were all on all fours, chained up like an animal. All of a sudden, this guy looked, looked down to the ground, looked up and said, Jesus, Jesus, and stood straight up. It was totally normal. All eight of them did the same thing. Hallelujah. How do you do that? By knowing your authority. <laughs> and when you're in that condition, it would help if you had somebody that knew more than you knew. Because see, that's what you got because that's the way you think. And the devil will help you think that way. We don't have so many people like that today. We're too sophisticated. We got hospitals. We got mental institutions. We got drugs. Just talking to you here. Yeah. All right. You ready? I'm going to got another one here. What are, is ours in Christ? This is Brother Hagen. I love it. What is ours in Christ? And let me just stop there. He doesn't say this. What is our, our righteousness? I'm right with God because Jesus did right. I'm not trying to impress God on how I'm living. I'm trying to live my best. You understand what I'm saying? But he's not too impressed. I'm righteousness because Jesus lived perfectly. And I get his righteousness appropriated to me because I'm in him. Whatever Jesus gets, you get because he invited you to get it with him. He, he wasn't a sinner. He was the only man that lived on the planet other than Adam for just a short time, and then the devil deceived him, but Jesus stood up to the devil and ran him off. But he didn't deserve to go to the cross. That's why he was becoming our substitute 
to put us in the position I'm trying to get it over to you. I'm redeemed, not because I'm such a hot shot. Jesus redeemed me. But you know Psalm 107 verse 2 says, if you don't say you're redeemed, guess what? You won't act like it. You won't behave like it. You won't have the benefits of it. What does that mean? That means you would be in bondage. You're either delivered or redeemed or you're not in every area. Money, mind, sex life, whatever you're thinking about anything, marriage. All right, praise God. I'm going I'm to try to read. I'm trying to get beyond just this, okay? <laughs> if it seems like I'm saying too much, you don't know the subject enough. Because I just know people that the devil will do all he can to talk you out because you say, well, I've been living for God for 12 years. Well, maybe you have, but maybe you haven't thought about this realm. And thank God for Tamsi helped us, at least in part today, about not worrying. I know none of you think about going down to a prostitute den today and having sex with a woman or a man, if you're a lady or whatever, or shooting dope in the alley, or watching X-rated movies at home. Hopefully you think at least beyond that. But I'm telling you, that worry will wipe you out and put you to bed and take you to hell. If you're not careful, it'll make you live like hell on earth. Worry is a sin. I determined I'm not going to worry about other people. I'm not even going to worry about myself. That's the first one I took care of. I made a decision. See, you know, you, a, lot, a lot of things in your life are just that simple, a decision. And then I go to the Bible and find out ammunition or whatever you want to call it, the ingredients it takes me to stand fast in my decision. You've been threatened? Oh, yeah, sure I have. But I just keep believing when he knocks me back, I just come up several more steps next time. And a lot of things I corrected so he don't have an inroad. <laughs> and if he tries to come, he's going to have a fight on his hand from me. I'm not, mad, I'm not mad at you. I'm mad at him. All right. Okay. What is ours in Christ requires nothing but the taking or appropriating it by faith. This is Brother Hagin. We don't have to struggle to believe for something that already belongs to us. <laughs> that is so simple. See, it's so profound. And it's just the reverse of the way humanity thinks. I don't have to struggle to believe for something that already belongs to me. My, my car key is in the office and I have a car parked out there. That key belongs to that car and that car is mine. I don't have to have any faith to, to know it's there. I parked it. I don't have to have any faith that I'm going to get in. I got a key. It's in my name. It's a lease deal now, but nonetheless, it's still my car. Are you listening to me? All right. I don't have to have any faith to believe for something that already belongs to me. All right. That's my Bible. I've had it a long time. I marked it up pretty well. I'm, I'm. Hesitate to, to get into a new one because I've got so much goods marked in this, but it belongs to me. All right. But we do need to know it's ours, the things that Jesus has provided for us, or we won't take our rightful position in Christ and take advantage of what is already ours. Let me say it to you this way. Maybe this would strike a chord. I'm telling you things that sound too good to be true. And if you won't get in faith with me, you'll live like that. That's too good. Dr. Jacobs is just crazy. He teaches stuff that's unlivable. Jesus lived this way. Mm -hmm. right. yes. 
I've attempted and did well at living this way. Not perfect. I'm not him. But <laughs> see, I've entered into it more and more and more. I hate to feel like I'm still where I was 40 years ago trying to figure out these things. And when I heard truth, I got a hold of it, and then I fed on it and fed on it and fed on it. When I got sick of hearing it, I just shut up and said, I'm going to listen to it another 50 times until I got it. And then I said, shut up, I'm going to listen to it another 50 times. You might as well just knock your stuff off, devil, because I'm going to just follow through. Yes. 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 Yeah. The I, I, reason I shredded a lot of books in my library, they weren't worth having. I ain't got time for nonsense and stupidity and groupy preachers with PhDs that think they know something and are just stupid as a rock. I'm not going to take time to read their nonsense. All right. We do need to know it's ours so we can take our rightful position in Christ and take advantage. I'm trying to say it again. What's already ours? Well, if it's already mine, why don't I have it? Well, I'm going to answer you that today. You've got to believe for it. You've got to talk it. You've got to stay in faith about it. And you've got to be willing to stay the course until you have it and you have it and you have it and you have it and you have it even more intensely and more strongly as you progress in it. Hallelujah. <laughs> Let me read one more and then I'm going to turn to Genesis chapter 1. Hallelujah. You know, you feel like I've talked a lot today, but it just got it started. One more thing from Brother Hagin that he said I thought was really important. To, if believers would begin to stand in their position of authority in Christ. Now, notice I, in Christ. I'm not saying I'm all that just myself, but I'm not just in myself. Think with me. When you got in Christ, baby... The whole spirit world sees you in Christ. If you come out of that or you don't act like you're in Christ, you talk like a natural person, then the devil just continue to beat you up and bombard you. Because yeah. he knows you don't believe anything. That's right. You've got to know what you are in Christ. Pastor, Brother Ronnie over here, Ronnie Cook, bought me a book. I already know some of the things I am in Christ. He bought me a brand new book just published, I think, recently by Kenyon out of some of his writings, What We Are in Christ. Brother Hagin's got a 50 cent or dollar mini book that tells you all those scriptures. I've given it away 25 times in this church in 35 years to all of you, unless you're a new person here. But we'll get some more if you want them. You just, and you just, you just read these scriptures, what we are, and then you meditate on them. All right. I'm going to read. I didn't finish reading Brother Hagin's. Comment. If believers would begin to stand in our authority in Christ, their position of authority in Christ, against a foe that's already been defeated and dethroned, it would solve so many of their problems. It would just solve so many of your problems. If you would take your rightful place of your position in Christ in authority, yeah, and come against a foe that's already been defeated and dethroned. Now, I don't spend a lot of my time talking to the devil. Let me clarify that. I just say, I bind you, shut up, get out of here. Or get your stuff, your symptoms, and leave. I don't even remember praying for the little girl that got her back healed, spine straightened. But I just have faith, and if I lay my hands on you, I'm releasing what I have. I probably had a word about bones or backs or spines, and she got in line, I laid hands on her. I'm not the healer. I'm just the UPX guy. But I know what I'm doing, or I just quit doing it. 
I've made a lot of changes in how I think about laying on of hands. Because I learned there's a little more to it than what I just initially thought. And I'm trying to do, be more skillful in the way I function and operate. Okay, you still here? Genesis 1, this is why I said go back to the beginning. Genesis 1, 26 to 28. And God said, let us, that word us is the Hebrew word Elohim. That means the Godhead, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Ghost. Let us, the Godhead, make man, and this is not a reference just to maleness, man in our image after our likeness, and let them, he's going to tell what he's talking about in a minute, male and female, let them and the mankind people have dominion. Now right there is the first mention of dominion. Make them in our image and in our likeness and let them have dominion over the fish to sea, over the fowl of the air, and over the cattle, over all the earth and over every creeping thing. You've got authority over creeps that creepeth upon the earth. So God created man in his own image. The image of God created he him. Male and female created he them. And God blessed them and God said unto them, be fruitful and multiply. Isn't that interesting? The same two things that happen when you come back to having a pastor and really be a good son or daughter. You can become fruitful and you increase. I just now saw that first time in my life. Be fruitful and multiply and replenish the earth. So there must have been something here before Adam as we know it. And I'm not going to teach on that today. Replenish the earth and subdue it or bring it under your authority. That's what subdue means. When you subdue somebody, you bring... Like I see, watch these cop shows periodically. I try not to watch them too much. They're pretty graphic. But the priests are running after this guy. <laughs> he shot at him or you know, wounded the partner and they're just turning it on. They're running. And they get him down. They cuff him immediately. Or, or put their knee in his neck or whatever to get him to stop if he's fighting them. And you know, once they get done, he's subdued. He's subdued. You know, you're in handcuffs unless you're John Jacobs in the power team, you're not going to break them. <laughs> How many know John Jacobs in the power team, the big old boys that used to break ball bats over their legs? I could barely break a number two pencil over my <laughs> finger. They carry refrigerators down front. But see, none of that impresses the devil. It helps humanity to get saved with that. And, and I give them a compliment them. I've met them. We gave them a lot of money to come to Freedom Hall one year. Had 7,500 people get saved. All right, so we're talking about dominion. God blessed them and said to them, uh, replenish the earth and subdue it and have, there's it, have dominion over things again, over every living thing. And verse 31, and God saw everything that he had made, and behold, it was very good. So giving man dominion, this is what I want to leave you with first thought. Giving man dominion was a good thing in God's thinking. Now, as far as I can tell, he gave man dominion over everything but the throne room. Because when he fell, all of that got messed up. Heaven wasn't even available under the Old Testament. You went into the bowels of the earth. It was, not a, it was a confinement place because you're a spirit. You're going to live forever. But it wasn't hell. It wasn't torment. It was a place they went to wait until Jesus shed his blood and made all that renewed where man could go to heaven. Uh, we got we got a bird's nest on the ground. Yeah. <laughs> you. 
Yeah. So we're talking about dominion. It was a good thing. Then we go to Genesis 2, verse 7. I love this verse. I've been, if you've been with me lately, I've been talking about it. And the Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living soul. That's not a bad translation. It's not the best it could be. The Hebrew there, I bought some books a while back, maybe 15, 20 years ago, on the first five books of the Bible, the Pentateuch and the book of Psalms, in their Hebrew scholarly books, and they said this should read, man became a speaking spirit. Now, this is significant because this being a speaking spirit, which, which makes us different than the animal kingdom. I know you watch some goofy show, they got a dog that's singing a melody, but they don't talk like, give me a hamburger or nothing like that. You know that? They'll eat the hamburger, but they won't ask for one. Okay. They don't order in restaurants. No, man became a speaking spirit. That was a distinctive feature of man. Now, when I say man, I mean male and female. You know, you have male tigers and female tigers, but normally if they're a long way away, you just say, there's some tigers. You're not looking for the gender. You're just saying, there goes some tigers or there goes some bears. So when we talk about man, we're talking about both male and female. But the characteristic of man being created with God's anointing and dominion was that he was to become a speaking spirit. And that words that come out of your heart are the words of dominion. Yeah. And this is why the devil fights, keep people silent all the time. Yeah. Sometimes I've asked people, they come in, uh, they gave me two months to live. Have you been confessing by his stripes you're healed? Well, just when you taught it, I confessed it with you. I said, that's not what I asked you. Have you been confessing by his stripes you're healed every day? Or even talking to God about healing and health? Well, not really. I said, well, then you got an uphill battle. You can live, but you're going to have to reverse some things. See, when I'm teaching you something... Last week, the week before, the year before, the month. I'm expecting you to take that and keep it going. And not have to wait for me to say it 37 times for you to catch on. You should be doing this. This has to be, faith has to be a lifestyle, beloved. Not a Sunday morning deal. <laughs> not yelling at you, I'm trying to help you have it. But what I'm saying is the dominion that's released through people is released through words. Words and action. I said words and action. And you know, if you really believe you have something, then you're going to act on it. I prayed for a man in a wheelchair in Mexico, I don't know, maybe 12 years ago. I don't remember the timing. Dr. Dufresne, I was in a meeting. He said, Michael, come up and pray for this guy in a wheelchair. I said, in Jesus' name, come out of him. The guy standing behind him was a, another son to Dr. Dufresne. He said, I saw that spirit leave him, he said to me. I said, yeah, I know. And I said, get up out of that. Come on. And he stood up. He was a little wobbly. And so doctor, Dr. Frayne ran over. And he said, who does this guy belong to? And a lady ran down the middle line. She said, that's my husband. How long has he been in a wheelchair? Eight years. So Dr. Dufresne said, get a couple of you ushers get on each side. And because your muscles haven't been walking for eight years, you're going to be kind of wobbly like a little newborn deer or something, you know. And they walked him around a little way, and he burst into sweat because it just strained on his system. They put him back in the wheelchair, not to live there, but just to rest a little bit. See, if, he, if I'd have said, get up, and he said, I couldn't, then guess what? He couldn't. He wouldn't. I had faith for him to be delivered from that, but he'd have to act on it and say it. Yes, sir. 
<laughs> okay. That's how your dominion is released. Now, let's go to, let's see here. Let's go to, um, let's go to Genesis 2, a little further down here for just a minute. Uh, verse 18 through 20. And the Lord God said, it is not good that the man should be alone. At that point, it was just Adam. And really, he had as much female in him as he had male. I'm not trying to endorse anything that you see on TV, just so you know. You're born with the parts you have. I'm not mad at anybody. You know, queer people can be saved too. But that's not right to live with a man if you're a man and have sex and all that stuff. Or if you're a woman. Just wanted you to know what I believe from the Bible. Don't come up here and challenge me. You don't need that. And I don't need your idiot argument with me. You know, if that happened in one generation, that'd be the last generation to ever live on the planet. If all the fish did that, we'd never eat fish again. If all the cows did that, we'd never have beef again. If all the chickens wanted to go gay, then we'd never have chickens again. No, I'm trying to help you. Listen, don't be stupid. I'm a word man. I'm not sure about you, but I'm a word person. And that's part of the reason I didn't vote for Obama, not because he's black, but because he believed in killing babies. You better get your thinking straight. You don't have to be like me to be here, but I'm just telling you what's right. And you're not if you're thinking contrary to that. You better go to the Word before you make your, your theology. <laughs> okay. So he said, it's not good that man be alone. I will make him a help suitable for him, it would mean. And out of the ground, the Lord God formed every beast of the field and every fowl of the air and brought them unto Adam. Now look at this. He brought every creature to Adam to see what he would call them. Now I don't know if that strikes you like it does me. Think about God, the creator, the father. <laughs> he, knows how, he knows how to heal toenails. He knows how to do nuclear fission and stuff I can't even talk about because I don't even know the names of some of the deeper science stuff. Sometimes they said, this guy's a something-something cyber biologist. What in the world is that? You know, I don't know. I'm just making up stuff. That's what it sounds like to me sometimes. God, who is the creator, brought every animal by Adam to see what he would call them. And guess what? The name stuck. You never saw a camel and said, that's a nice-looking duck. You'd never have done that in your life. First, second grade, you get a picture book. That's a camel. It's C-A-M-A-M-E-L, and it's got a picture of him. You don't confuse that with a duck, D-U-C-K. See, and, every, and so th- I'm trying to show you God is endorsing Adam's dominion. I wonder what you're calling. Because things happen in your life regularly, daily, monthly, weekly sometimes, yearly. Some things good, some things not so good. You better decide how you're going to call it. Well, it looks like I'm done. I only got three months to live. Don't talk like that. I know the doctor told you only had three. And you may only have two and a half unless you do something different. Don't, don't yield to words that don't make, that don't, not right. God created you to live a life in satisfied life. Didn't he? I can prove the Psalm 91. That's Old Testament. We're in the better covenant, better promises. You got to realize how I think. I'm a Hebrews guy. You can find out just about everything you need to know about God from Hebrews, I think, sometimes. But he brought all these animals to him 
to see what Adam, whatever you want to call it, call it. And I'll endorse it. I'll agree with you. And he made the whole animal kingdom, but he didn't find anybody that was suitable for him, verse 20 says. But what I'm trying to show you is God endorses what he said. And I'm reading what I'm saying to you. Let's go to Romans 4 a minute. This is a different way to start this series, but I think it's a good way. Talking about Genesis, now we're talking on this moment, how do you call things? What are you calling for? I sure wish I could have more money. No problem. Just so. Whatsoever thing a man sows, that shall he also reap. I sure would like to have some good friends. Are you a friend to anybody? I sure would like my wife to love me. Do you love her? Vice versa. See, it's not just money, but I'm just throw that out at you because you're going you're gonna to have to operate in faith and do what God says to do to receive the fullness of things. Hallelujah. I'm in Romans 4. Let's look up here at verse um, 17. As it is written... He's talking to Abraham. God's talking to Abraham. As it is written, I have made thee a father of many nations. Now, at this point in Abraham's life, he doesn't have a seed that came through Sarah. You know what I'm saying? And he says, before him whom he believed, whom, whom Abraham believed, even God who quickens the dead, or he makes alive the dead things, and calleth those things which be not as though they were. You don't call things that are as if they're not. You're getting trouble doing that. Like I've had people, you know, I've tried to teach confession to them and they get their bills on the table and they say, I don't have a phone bill. I don't have a mortgage. I don't have a car. They're going to take it all from you. Eventually, you can't live like that unless the government bails you out or something. But you're right back in the same thing again because you didn't change the way you thought. It says we're calling things that be not as though they were that they may become that. I call myself healed. Call myself whole. Call myself a sound-minded person. That hadn't changed anything about anybody else around me that talks the way they talk or do what they do. Just changes me. And I'm the one that is changing me. With God's help, but I have to do it. Jordan can't do that for me. Diana can't do that for me. Another preacher can't do it for me. He could teach me something. I'm trying to teach you. You have to call things the way you want them, not the way. If what is is what you want, then just keep saying that. That's all you ever get. I'm not talking just about money, but how about the soundness of your mind? We're living in a very odd culture today. I just got off on it a minute. I could tell some of you got real quiet with me. Yeah, it's all right. You want to be wrong? Be wrong. I don't make decisions based on what you think or the president thinks or the Congress says or what kind of laws they establish. I'm living under God's divine law. That's the main thing I'm thinking about. I try to live in line with the scriptures concerning my government. But baby, if it all fell apart tomorrow, I'd still live for God. I don't give my money to church because they're giving me a break. You better believe it. <laughs> I'm not that immature. It's crazy. Calling things which be not as though they were. 
when you first learn something, it's not, it's yours, uh, you know, it's yours legally from the scriptures, but you're going to have to apply your faith to get that. All the promises of God, I'm talking to you a minute, all the promises of God are yes and amen. That's God's side to me. He says, yes, I want you to have it, Michael. Amen to that, so be it. Yes. it and I'm putting my t tone on it. And if you'll grow up and take it, I'll give it to you because it's already yours. But you have to believe my promise. And then you have to start talking like that's true and acting like that's true when in the natural you don't have the manifestation of all that yet. This is not Christian science. I don't teach metaphysical things to you. I teach the Bible. I don't care if Uncle Doodad goes to some church unity or some goofball church that's got metaphysical teaching. They may sound like the Bible, but they're not. I'm teaching you the Bible. That's what we believe around. Here's what I believe. You can believe whatever you want, but I'm talking, if you want God's results, you have to believe what he says. And I've learned that. <laughs> I'm not mad. I'm really not. I'm trying to help you best I know. So we're talking about this one comment here. What are you calling things? What are you calling things? I would hope that you'd go home and say, Father, I thank God for Church on the Rock because I'm learning how to live by faith. I'm learning how to live in victory. I'm learning how to achieve things. I'm learning how to be a successful human being. That's the way I am about good church teaching. And, you know, praise God. I listen to my spiritual father all the time. You know, he's in heaven, but he still speaketh. I got his books, I got his CDs, DVDs, things like that. Hallelujah. No, I'm not worshiping the dead. See, that would be demonic. But I'm still connected to him. How many know the Bible says, how about, you don't need to write this down, but Ephesians 3, it says, of who the whole family is named both in heaven and on earth. So part of my family is already in heaven, and part of you are in the earth with me. How many got that? That's why I said I'm still connected with him. All right. Now, let's, let's see where I want to go. Let's, let's go over here to Luke. Oh, my goodness. Luke chapter um, 19. A minute. What I'm trying to say is you've got to be careful how you call things. Let's go back to Romans 4. Okay, I heard you, Father. Go back to Romans 4. I'm not done there. <laughs> Let's go back to Romans 4. Look at verse 16 here. I'm going to include this in a couple more verses after 17. Therefore, it is of faith that it might be by grace or God's divine favor towards us. I'm, I'm adding in some words that that's what that means in the Greek. Therefore, it is of faith that it might be by grace or God's ability to the end or resulting in the promise... That just means all the promises of God in particular is talking about walking in the steps of the faith of Abraham yes. context. But that would be true of all the promises are obtained because Hebrews says by faith. Yes. By faith and patience it says in Hebrews 6, Hebrews 11, by faith. But anyway, the promise might be sure to all the seed. If you're the seed and I'm the seed, the promises of God are yes to me for sure. They're surely yes. They're surely there for me to take them. Not to them only which is of the law, but to that also which is of the faith of Abraham, which is where we fit in, the faith of Abraham, who is the father of us all. As it is written, I have made thee a father of many nations. 
before whom he, whom he believed, even God who quickens the dead, he makes things that are dead come alive. I'm going to get something here. That's why I came back to this. And calleth those things which be not as though they were. You know, I don't know if you realize this or not. Let me look back here and see what it says. Yeah, it calls him Abraham in verse 12, 13. So when Abram was born, he was called Abram. But when God met him and said, you're going to have a seed, and it's coming through Sarah and you, and I'm going to call you Abraham, which means, the Abraham means a father of nations, father of a multitude. So from that day until he had Isaac, his son, from Sarah, you know, he got itchy and antsy, and his wife did too, I think, thinking she, would, she wasn't able to be the woman she's supposed to be. Just my, my rendering of it. I think I'm pretty accurate. Here, take my handmaiden and have some relations with her. Maybe she could give you a child. And she did. Of course, that's the problem with Middle East today. <laughs> they got two different groups of people over there, and they want the same land. They want the same everything. They want each other dead. And all the negotiations and all the peace talks are never going to fix it. Just know that. <laughs> and so... When God began to change Abram's name to Abraham, when his wife called him Abraham and his servants, he had a whole, he had a lot of, he had a lot of money, he had a lot of clout, had a lot of animals, had a lot of silver and gold, extremely rich. And all of his people that worked for him. Abraham, what do you want done with this cattle? What do you want done with this? And every time he heard Abraham, he heard father of a multitude, father of a multitude, father of a multitude, father of, up to then he's married to a woman with a dead womb. It ain't working. It's dead. That's why I went back to this. There's some things in your life may not be womb, may not be your womb, but there's things in your life that are dead. But if you'll talk to it, God could re-resurrect it. <laughs> yeah. Let me go. Call so, and it says, who quickens the dead and calls those things which be not as though they were. Based on, look at the first part of verse 17, as it is written. What I'm trying to get over to you, you don't wake up someday and say, Father, I want a Bentley. You can't even pay for a Volkswagen. What's the matter with your head? I want a big house with six bedrooms, and you're living in an apartment with one. You might get that eventually, but that shouldn't be your whole motivation. And secondly, why don't you take it increment by increment like the rest of us in humanity, step by step by step by step, and not be frustrated. And if you're mad at me because I got something, it's just because you're jealous that you didn't do what I did to get it. That's all I can tell you. Nobody bought anything for me that God didn't do for me, period. How do you like that? Listen, I'm talking to you here today. I'm trying to help you resurrect some things. Well, I wish I could do that. Why don't you do that? Why couldn't you do that? Who told you you can't do that? Who told you that? Wasn't God. Certainly wasn't me. Who told you that? Yeah. A devil talking, you're listening. That's good. Make, now see, so he's, he's starting to hear father of multitude, father. But let's go on, verse 18. Who against hope and natural hope, he had no hope. His wife, she, she's not able to conceive seed if it's deposited. It's not going to produce a child. And says, according to that which was spoken, says, become the father of many nations, according to that which was spoken, so shall thy seed be. And being not weak in faith. See, faith costs you something when you're weak in it. Yeah. <laughs> being not weak in faith. 
Don't be weak in faith. Let me show you. He considered not his own body now dead. He's almost, uh, I think, 90-something. I'm trying to remember. And Sarah, I think, is 100 or the reverse of that. She's not, how many know she's way past menopause? Can I say that? Could you believe that? Yeah, like 40 years past it. And being not weak in faith, he considered not his own body able to produce what he needed to do when he was about 100 years old. Yeah, neither the deadness of Sarah's womb. He wasn't counting on the deadness of her womb anymore. He's believing he's becoming the father of a nation through her. Yes. Not some other lady, through her. Because God said, Sarah will bring you the seed, the promised seed, Isaac. So he staggered not at the promise of God. See, that's the problem. We've got to hold the promises. And then your relatives and your TV time and other stuff divert you and distract you and you don't stay with it. And you get distracted and you start staggering at the promise of God through unbelief. Unbelief is not, unbelief is just believing in something other than the scriptures. That's all unbelief is. You know what doubt is? Doubt is doubting what God said about it. Or you could just begin to be double-minded like James 1 says, a double-minded person is unstable in all their ways. I'm trying to help you to see what I'm talking about here. He staggered not at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strong in faith, giving glory to God. My wife got into it a little bit at the praise and worship. You praise God a little more, praise you, Father. Thank you, Father. Not just when we got the cheerleader up front. The exhorter up front. But when you're home, when you feel like crying about everything, why don't you just praise God? Not because you feel like that, but because you love him and you know he's going to deliver you from all that and his promise is going to work in your life. Hey, he's not a a deadbeat God. They don't got to send the United Marshals after him to take care of us. You know the Marshall system and run down has-been dads of two or three kids that ran off on their wife? Decided he wanted a Harley Davidson, a new girlfriend. God's not like that. You better get your thinking straight. He is faithful to the end. To everything he said in here. Not just what I'm teaching you, every word. I just try to skip over Leviticus as much as possible because we're not living in that covenant. Get over here where you live in Romans. And <laughs> these are the epistles. I'm preaching pretty good for, I don't know what I'm saying, but it sounds pretty good. I know I might have to pray for bruised toes at the end of this, but that's okay. He staggered not at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strong in faith, giving glory to God. See, he gave glory to God even before the thing happened. He gave glory to God. He gave glory to God. Father, I thank you for helping us. Father, I thank you for turning things around that I'm believing you for. Not just in my life, but other people I'm praying about. Father, I thank you for sustaining them and helping them and strengthening them and blessing them and visiting them even. Hallelujah. And I thank you, Father, you've heard my prayer. Wow. Give him some glory and praise him a little bit. And maybe sing in tongues. And, and like I've told you many times, I don't know if you're listening, when Amsie starts taking off like that, if he's got the words, sing with him. But if he just hangs out for a little bit, make up your own words. I made up a bunch while we were singing today. He was talking about care, wasn't he? Or worry. And I said, not only did you take all my cares, you took all my sicknesses. You took all my sins. You took all my pains. You took all my distress. You took all my depressive days. I'm saying that out loud standing here. You don't hear me. I'm just talking to myself. 
but I'm talking to him. And I'm giving him glory. He gets excited when somebody wants to take, take him at all that he could do. All that he could do. <laughs> I don't know what's going to happen in heaven. He gets some churches up there. Well, what's your deal? You had 17,000 promises and you believe for two. Go stand in the shed over there for about a thousand years. I don't know what he's going to do. I'm just teasing, I think. Brother. And Dr. Jacobs really tried to work it into you too. Hallelujah. I'm just teasing you. Don't get offended. If you get offended, you won't get anything. Not because I'm mad. You just get mad at me. But it says he was strong in faith, giving glory to God. So I would say these things must go together. How could I be strong in faith and negative towards the Father? How could I be strong in faith and never praise him for anything? Why would you let this happen to me? What's wrong with you, God? How come that happened? How come this happened? You're just a... That's pathetic. I don't care what happened. I don't blame God for anything negative. He's not the author of sickness, death, disease, pain, and all the other natural things that humanity goes. I, I never blame him for anything like that. That's like saying, you know, thanks for whatever. That, really, you're praising the devil because he's the author of that. Yeah. Giving glory to God and, and, and being fully persuaded. I love the Weymouth translation, being fully, absolutely certain. That what God promised, he's able to perform it. Yes. You listen to me? Yes. <laughs> oh, man. He's absolutely certain whatever God said, he could come through with that. That's the way I like to get like that. And just sometimes I know things before they happen. Of course, I know other things too as a prophet that aren't so edifying sometimes. Unless we can turn it, I know it's going to go that way. And I'll do my best to try to help people if I can help them. Some won't let me. Some don't want to be helped. See, you've got you to be willing, listen to me, you've got to be willing to stretch if you want to get into God's best. He loves you, you know. He loves you whether you do right or do wrong. He loves you. He loves me too. But see, that doesn't really bring him great favor and honor if, if I'm living in his word and trying my best to live the word and believe him for the fulfillment of it, he's excited about that. He's fulfilled, just like I am with you. I wouldn't do this to you because the rest of you get offended. I could go around this room and pick out four, five, six, eight, ten people that really made changes under my ministry. I see monumental growth in them. But that's just a few. Everybody could grow up. Everybody could be ahead. Everybody could come forward. Everybody could come up. I didn't put any limitations. on. I don't limit God. <laughs> so I'm just saying, as I'm preaching the same word to everybody, everybody has opportunity. You're not all at the same levels when you came in here today. But everybody has opportunity to take hold of what I'm saying. Even if it's a little stout sometimes, you know it's got a little meat in it and you've got to chew on that meat a little. I don't know if I believe that or not. It's all right. Just keep chewing. You digest it. It'll be good. Be good for you. Or you could just be a mediocre Christian, live your life out, maybe not the whole life, and, and go on to heaven. And God loves you, and I love you too. I'm not mad at you. I, I love you. But I'm trying to stimulate your faith to show you maybe you've been on a lot lower level than you could be. And I'm talking about your dominion right now. 
That's what I've been talking about. Yeah. When somebody loses out with something, there's a, there's a lack of dominion in that area. I know you don't believe me yet, but you just meditate on that. Live another 10 or 20 years and watch humans and you'll see what I'm saying. There's a lack of dominion. <clears throat> got to have your dominion operative. You got to walk in, you got to talk it. Doesn't mean you have, listen to me carefully. I'm not talking about around unbelievers or people that don't know you and you're going to walk in there like you're a big shot and shoot your mouth off. I'm getting this, God's doing that. Well, that's fine if you give a testimony to God and you're humble to people that don't know God because they'll take it then. But if you go in there like, hey, I'm big shot, and all, that's not going to help anybody. But you need to know yourself what your dominion does. And start at that in your prayer closet. Start, start it in your prayer closet. You know, when I prayed for that man on that plane that day, he had epilepsy. I don't know him. I don't even know how old he was until I went back and laid hands on him. Still don't know. He was older than me. But he's having an epileptic seizure, and the lady gets on the horn. We're 35,000 feet in the air. Is there a doctor in here? Well, I started to raise my hand, but then I know she'd say, are you a surgeon or what? No, I'm a theological doctor. So I didn't raise my hand. And sometimes I don't always say that to everybody because people get weird with you. And so the lady stewardess came by, and I tapped her on the shoulder, this shoulder. I was sitting in a single seat. I said, I'm a pastor. I'd be glad to come back and pray for him if you'd like me to. She said, wait a minute. They want you to come. And I went back. He's about six rows behind me against the wind. He's rolled, his foam's coming out of his mouth. His eyes are rolled back. He's kind of hitting the window with his head gently. And his wife said, oh, thank God you came. I said, let me get my hand to him. I said, in Jesus' name, I command that to cease and come out of him. I didn't say, now everybody listen up, I'm going to pray. The rest of you need some of this too. But I didn't go, let's pray quietly so nobody will hear us. Like I'm ashamed of God. My point is I would have never been back there to do that if I hadn't believed in dominion 30 years before just to get over a cold, just to believe God for something to happen. You, you get there just naturally speaking. Hallelujah. Where do I need to go? Okay, hang on here. Let's, let's go to Matthew 8. Matthew 8, one of my favorite scriptures. The Lord's blessed me to see this in a different light. Let me talk to you just a second. I'm going to give Matthew 8 to you, and then we're going to go home for today. I'm going to maybe just quote, I'm going to just give you a couple of scriptures to write down when we're through, and I want you to start praying these scriptures in the Bible. But let me say something to you first. Do we already, uh, do we have authority that we don't know about? I'm at a rhetorical question. And the answer would be yes. <laughs> you know, you might think a state senator has some authority. Or you may think some lunatic in some foreign country that's a dictator has some authority. Believe me, some of them do. They got a lot of money and they got weapons and they don't care about human life. But do we have authority that maybe we don't know about? Do we have authority we're not using? I'd say yes. If we don't know we have authority, it won't work. That's why I'm taking some time with you. I'm not trying to rush through this. And I'd like to jump ahead about the fifth message I'm going to teach on this, or just theoretically talking. 
because I'd like to get you over there, but we've got to start with the beginning. I've showed you God's original purpose for man was to have dominion, or we could substitute the word authority. And he believed in the authority he gave the man that he would use it, right? He brought all these animals by him and said, name that, name that. And there's over 500,000 bugs that he named. He had a brain like I don't know what. Talking about Adam. But he lost his authority. Adam gave his authority to the devil. I'm going to answer some questions for you real quick here. Just give me a minute or two. He gave his authority to the devil because he, 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 he came on to Eve. But see, by God saying, I give you dominion. Now listen to me carefully here. Why wouldn't that trigger something in him that somebody may come to try to be a predator to that dominion? Use your head here with me a minute. And when Satan came and told Eve, you know, God doesn't love you. You'd be just like him. They already were. How much more could you be like God when the devil's not even in your life? <laughs> and God gave his dominion to man. <laughs> He's small g to this planet, Adam. If you name the bugs, you name the plant, you name all the animals. I mean, man. He named his wife. Wow. And then the Bible says in the New Testament, I'm just giving you a capsulized thing here for a second. Adam had the dominion. He gave it to Satan. Satan became the God of this world. 2 Corinthians 4, 3 and 4. What is, what is our gospel hid? It's hid to them that believe not, in whom the God of this world, not God's world, this world, has blinded the minds of them that believe not. Don't think that's some, uh, 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 some heathen that you know that's a drug addict. That's you and me if we don't believe it. Yes. He blinds the mind. He's going to try to blind you from, I'm just giving you one up. Pay attention to me. Yes. To, he would not like you to get where you know you have authority. You're threatening his kingdom. Do you understand? He has such a blowhard. He is such a big mouth. He is such a prideful being. He thinks he owns everything. Well, you don't own me, and you don't owe you. And the more you stand up to that, you're infringing on his authority. He's going to try to fight you about it. <laughs> but you can win. You can win. My wife doesn't like me to watch boxing. I normally don't, but I watched one team, one thing out. <laughs> two guys fighting. They were like middleweights or something. And the guy beat the tar out of the other guy for 15 rounds, but the 16th round he won it. The devil's not going to beat you up either. But he, he resents the fact that I'm talking like this to you. He doesn't want this kind of light to get to you. Because his whole world is deception. Delusions. Egotistical things. Prideful things he tells you to do or be a part of that's ungodly and will destroy your life. But Jesus came to give us authority back. And he did that. I'm going to give you one scripture here in a second. But, you know, Luke, I think it was Luke 19, verse 10 says, He came to seek and save that which was lost. Now, I'm not of that. You're not of that. You're a person. So what was it that Jesus came to save? The authority and dominion. He came to get it back, to give it back to us. 
You know, the book of Revelation, it's in the Bible, says he took the keys of hell and death, hell and death away from the devil. But, you know, in the book of Matthew, he says he gives the keys of the kingdom to us. And Dr. Summerall says those keys of the kingdom that says whatever you bind in this planet, this is where it starts, you bind in that unseen world. Whatever you loose in this planet through your words is unloosed in that spirit world. That's why I bind the devil every day and release, release the angels to help me and protect me and protect you. Brother Summerall says those keys are dominion keys. That's what those keys are, dominion. Dominion keys. Now, you see, if you're in the world, you're under his authority, the devil, because he's the God of this world. But you're supposed to renew your mind to think like God would think. Behave like God would tell you to. He says, what, walk in the light? So he don't want us to walk in darkness. In fact, he, he scolds us in Ephesians. Don't walk in darkness. It's going to produce more darkness. Because sometimes you get over there and you don't make it out. You just don't make it out. You think I'm intense. You have no idea what intensity feels like. Precious young lady dated my boyfriend, uh, my, my buddy, rather, that I lived with. And uh, she came downstairs one morning, slept, slept with him, and said, you know, what's life all about anyway? Why am I living? I'm a drug addict. I don't know why she's living. I didn't open my mouth. I didn't have anything to say. Nothing to say to give her hope. Nothing in me. I felt in my emotional realm for her that she was discouraged, depressed, but I never dreamed she'd go home that day and kill herself. I never forgot that. That's why I talk like I talk to you. And there's such a spirit of suicide in this planet today. I'm telling you, I know what I'm talking about. And I'm talking about people with money, people without money, people prestigious, people influential, and people not. That don't have a thing to do with the devil. It targets you. He don't care what you wear. You know what I mean? He don't impress him either way. He don't like you. So I'm teaching this. You rise up and take dominion. Whenever depression comes, any level of it, take dominion. Act like it's a monster and deal with it. Come on. You talk about getting mad and screaming. You say, well, I don't do that. Well, you need to. I saw you at the ball game last year. You threw popcorn and Pepsi on everybody when your son made a home run. What about now? Live up to what you really need to live up to here. Get, get, get on fire for God. And then maybe you'll be able to get somebody else delivered too along the way. <laughs> Hallelujah. I remember a young lady sitting up in the sound booth. I don't think she'd mind me telling this. She went to our youth camp. I don't know how many years ago that's been. Do you remember? Do you remember Brianna? Nine years ago. She was a beautiful young lady. She was cutting herself at home. I saw something on her in the spirit in the youth camp. I'm not embarrassing you, am I? Because we ask you to give your testimony, my wife and I, just to show you. See, God doesn't, she's a beautiful young lady, very striking, and yet she felt discouraged and depressed, and it got to a level of cutting herself. I pray, I asked her to step out in the aisle, and I laid the hands on her and rebuked that devil. That spirit came out, and she's been normal ever since. Or pretty near it, right? <laughs> I'm teasing it. I'm not the deliverer, but I'm a messenger for him in the name of Jesus. See, we've got to know what our authority in, involves, 
and use it wisely. Don't put up with things that come that seem like, well, it's not that big a deal. It, it will be a big deal if you don't deal with it. That's what I'm trying to tell you. All right, let, let's go to Matthew 8 here real quickly here. Matthew 8. And, uh, you know, Jesus, uh, this guy from Capernaum came. He was a, a, a military guy, a centurion. He had soldiers under him. He said, my servants grievously tormented, verse 6. Seven, Jesus said unto him, I will come and heal him. The centurion answered and said, Lord, I'm not worthy that you should come under my roof. Now, this is just showing you the honor he had towards Jesus. This military guy said, come pray for my servant. He's in bad shape. And he said, well, I'm not even worried to come to your house. I'll come with you and heal him. He said, You're not, I'm not even worthy to have you, but speak the word only and my servant shall be healed. Now watch this. For I'm a man under authority. That's the soldier speaking. Well, you know, I was in the military. When you're in the military, you don't, if you decide to talk back, you're going to get slapped or put in a brig or worse. You don't disobey a command of a senior officer. And this man, being a military man, understood that he said, I have people under me. I say, you go do that, and he goes. I, you bring this to me, and he brings it. And he said, I understand you have authority, too, over other things. And if you'll speak it, that will obey you. And so he says, I'm a man under authority. What I wanted you to see is I was reading that one day, and the Lord told me, a lot of people want authority, but they don't want to be under authority. It's like if you had on military regalia that shows what battles you fought. And I don't know, you know, I'm not, I'm not real up on military, but I know they have protocol and they have certain ringlets and things on their arms, on their uniform. And they just took all that off. And, and sometimes the body of Christ strips themselves of being under authority. You don't like me, so you don't listen. And if you come for counseling and I say do that, you do the exact opposite, you're stripping yourself of your authority. You're not under authority. You become a loose cannon. You know what a loose cannon is? Everybody know what that means? Just kind of renegade. I'm not trying to dominate anybody. I'm just trying to show you, though, when you're not under authority, guess what? You don't have authority. This is a prerequisite. If you're going to have authority, you've got to be under authority. <laughs> I've just seen this happen time and time again with my own sons, spiritual sons I'm talking about. And, and I've watched their life fall apart too because they got out of rank. I never prayed against them. I don't pray against anybody. I mean, if you want to screw your life up, go ahead. But I'm never going to be involved in a part of that to, to pray against people. I pray for people. I've even prayed for some of them that stabbed me in the back, that they would get delivered from that renegade, messed up, carnal mind. Are you listening to me? Yeah. Realize you can't have authority unless you're under authority. Why don't anybody tell me what to do? Well, you know, you just have to get used to it a little bit. I mean, you work for a guy because he pays you. You probably don't like some things he said, but you're not about to talk back because you can get fired. See, that's a whole... I'm talking about willingly submitting yourself to the authority of God and his word and what I've taught you today. I'm not mad at anybody. I'm trying to help us all come up. <laughs> you can't strip yourself of authority and have authority. So... We're going to come back next Sunday. I'll be here next Sunday, same bat time. <laughs> bat channel. Hallelujah.
Now, you could just write this down, Ephesians 1, 2, and 3. I want you to read those first three chapters this week, Ephesians chapter 1, 2, and 3. Read that over and over this week in your Bible, and if you have an alternate translation or you could, you know, get on the Internet, people do that sometimes, you could get, find out other, read the first three chapters because we're going to talk about the prayer in chapter 1 and chapter 3. And I pray that every day, you know, for myself. Hallelujah. Are you with me? <laughs> Did you get anything? Man, I, I don't know. I've been preaching different lately. I, I kind of like it. I don't know if it's when I'm going to win friends and influence people, but it, it's helpful for me. Well, you know what you have in you. Sometimes God will challenge you. I know that's not your personality. You'd like to be sweeter, but... Sometimes it just comes out. I'm not trying to get anybody. Get that out of your head. But I'm trying to help everybody. And I, our society and our culture says, I have a right to everything I think, everything I do. You just get back off, out of me. Get away from me. I don't want to talk to you. Well, you do have the right to do that, but it can get you in trouble if you make bad decisions. And you start listening to the wrong people. And you end up at the wrong parties, doing the wrong things, drinking the wrong drink, smoking the wrong thing, in the bed, and all kinds of stuff goes on, things like that. See, I just know our society's come to a critical point. You think I'm mad? I'm not mad, but I know what I'm talking about. I have a pastor friend. He had a couple. He was taking them through. They were already married for a while. They had some issues. They came to see him. After three or four or five week sessions, they said, we don't want you anymore. We're going to go do something different. What are you going to do? Well, we're going to hire a psychiatrist. So, of course, they didn't show up for church, and they quit tithing too probably. You know how people do. They don't send their money when they don't come here. So he runs into him in Kroger about six, seven weeks later. He said, how's your counseling going? He wasn't mad. He just said, well, they charge us $180 an hour. What's their advice? That each of us should have another person on the side to be with. Pay somebody $180 a week to tell you to go have sex with somebody other than you're married to. Oh, my God. You don't think that happens? I I heard the guy tell me the story himself. (laughs) See, our culture out there, we're so weird. We don't care about what does the Bible say. He was trying to give them biblical counsel to love each other and be with each other and communicate with each other, not just sexually, but just the whole realm. And they didn't like it. Whatever he said, they didn't like it. Go find somebody else to counsel and pay good money to hear somebody put them in bondage. Because, you know, if you're with other people, you're going to get in bondage to that. Just thought I'd tell everybody that right now. Not that I think anybody's doing anything wrong, but you could. I don't live with you. Just remember, whatever you give yourself to, that will start growing. I'm just talking. I'm not being nasty. I hope you don't feel that way because I'm not trying to be. But just think we need to talk straight sometimes, especially when it comes to us operating in our dominion. You have dominion. God-given dominion. Let's stand up. Hallelujah.